on this Monday. The other women have already walked away down the path towards the lich gate, and she's locked the door and slipped the key into the pocket of her skirt. But as she turns the corner at the side of the church, someone is already there at baby Michael's grave. Miss Hopper is so surprised she stops. Very rarely has she seen anyone else there, though of course others have a perfect right to pay their respects, and she considers going to wait in her car or returning to the porch until this other visitor is gone. Curiosity gets the better of her, and she continues forward. As she crosses the buttercup-strewn grass, she notices the nettles are becoming unruly around the oldest tombs, and Ivy is choking the stone cherub who weeps over little Marcus Wright, a victim of influenza aged only three. In the tragic brevity of his life, baby Michael is not alone. The visitor has his back to her. Tall, and broad-shouldered, he has his hands in the trouser pockets of a navy suit that's a shade too big, as if he might have lost weight since he bought it, and his haircuts vaguely dated, what her father would have called a short back and sides. Not wanting to startle him, she gives a light cough as she draws close. He turns round, and she sees he's older than she thought, but his face is lean, with none of the sagging jowls mature women are prone to. She finds herself wishing she'd run a comb through her hair and put on lipstick. Good morning, he says. You've come to see our poor orphan, she holds up her flowers. I like to let him know he's not forgotten. Never that, she holds out her hand. Jane Hopper. His eyebrows rise, and he shakes her hand. His own is warm, almost overheated, although the day is mild. Cold hands warm heart, she thinks. So what's the opposite? Russell Fox, he says. Hopper. He scrutinizes her again. His eyes, she notices, are blue. Any relation to... Trailing off, he points to the small, forlorn headstone. It was my brother, Daniel, who found him says Miss Hopper. Fox nods. That must have been a terrible thing for him. They've never got anybody for it, have they? She's not asking a question, but making a statement, a criticism of lax and inefficient authorities. I don't suppose they ever will. Not after all this time. Never say never, says Fox. You and your brother still live locally, then? My brother passed away. Two years ago now. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm still up at the old place, though. It's a farm in name, only these days. <laughs> you remind me a little of Daniel. He was a big chap, too. Are you ex-army, by any chance? <laughs> long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, smiles Fox. It's the way they make you stand. <laughs> it never leaves you. I expect that's it. I'm surprised to find anyone here. I come here occasionally if I'm in the neighbourhood, but I've never seen anyone else. Miss Hopper gives him a wry smile. You must have your reasons. We're three miles from the nearest shop and ten miles from the nearest town, down lanes not wide enough for two cars to pass without one of them tipping into a ditch. No one's ever in this neighbourhood except with very deliberate intent. Fox laughs.
<laughs> My definition of neighbourhood is quite broad. Well, I'm pleased, she says. He deserves to know people still care. And it's good to know someone's keeping an eye on him, says Fox. I expect I'll be seeing you again. If you're still in the same place, we'll no doubt have your details on file. Oh, says Miss Hopper. So you're... Like I said, says Fox, beginning to walk away, Michael is far from forgotten. <laughs>